much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I miss your nerdiness, Philip. <laughs> I know. I know. It's been too long for crying out loud. I know. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad someone misses my nerdiness. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Oh, God. Are you ready? And welcome to Angel Talk, Reflections of an Ambitious Angel Mom. My name is Philip Kerrigan. I am the Executive Director of Raise for Rowan. We are the organization that helps families suffering through the loss of a child with funeral cost assistance and emotional support. I am joined by, as always, the Ambitious Angel Mom herself. Say hello to the people, Bryn. Hello, everyone. You are joining us virtually today. I am. You know, we've got a got to make time for these kids getting ready for school so yeah. i am home today with my kiddos um but it feels good to see your face via facetime <laughs> and call in <laughs> yes yes same here same here uh do you smell the wildfire i actually do yeah. uh, it's pretty strong i know it's crazy i mean we're so lucky that we don't have any close by mm -hmm. you know here in nino but Man, it's hazy out, and yeah. it sure smells. Yeah, yeah, I got. And it's sad. Yeah, it's crazy. I got up this morning. It's crazy how the last couple of years we've actually had that. Usually, that feels like just something that folks on the east side of the state experience, but we've had it now the last two years, where you really go outside and it's hazy and it smells and something. I know it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I feel my heart goes out to all the people dealing with the fires right now and losing their homes and being evacuated. And it seems like it's spreading so fast with our winds and man, what is, what else is 2020 going to throw at us? Man alive. I'll tell you what, it's like, uh, it's like they decided to get all the disasters in one, one year as best of they course. could. So yeah, uh, <laughs> it's the Jumanji game, right? <laughs> man alive. Yeah. We're playing the world's worst board game right now. It's really unbelievable. Yes. Uh, so we have a very special episode this week. We are doing the Race for Rowan Accidental Hope simulcast is basically what it is. So we kind of let folks know last week um, when we re-aired the, the original episode one, the story of Race for Rowan, we had a new intro to it where we kind of talked about what we went through or what we're going through over these last uh, over this last week. And basically what it is, is we partnered with, well, Bryn partnered with uh, a friend of yours uh, named Jennifer Eichenhorst. She hosts a podcast called Accidental Hope. Uh, if you've heard of it, um, you are one of the, what, which 60,000 listeners? Is that is that correct? Does she have something? Yeah, like that? she's she's definitely uh, big time compared to our, I mean, I think we're <laughs> up humble to a couple podcast. hundred. Yeah, our humble little <laughs> podcast. So yeah. um, I, it was such... A huge uh, blessing to be introduced to her, and um, she's a very sweet woman from Texas, Waco, Texas, which I love that town too. Mm. And um, just a big faithful heart. And she started this Accidental Hope podcast because she is a caddy, um, and they call caddy causing accidental death or injury. Mm. So she didn't personally lose somebody in her own tragedy, but she was a caddy in an accident and, um, really just sharing both experiences, you know, seeing it on the other side of things that caddies grieve and suffer as well. Yeah. And I think, um, sometimes can be overlooked or even 
people can judge and be mean right. and, um, right. you know, not all, all situations are different, but, um, man, her story is incredible. And she tried to obviously bring hope out of all of her experience and then create the accidental hope podcast. Mm-hmm. And she's very faith-based, but she's very real as well. And she has some great interviews on there. And so I've subscribed and I've been listening to her podcasts and man, I get a lot out of them. Awesome. So, um, it's similar to ours just on the other side of things, yeah. you know, cause she talks a lot about trauma and she talks a lot about grief and she talks about healing and providing hope and just some really great, powerful stories and getting to, um, not only just meet her as a person and as a mother, um, she's so inspiring and just connecting with her person to person. Our, our feelings going through our grief have been so similar, Mm -hmm. even though we're in different situations. So it was, it was a really great experience. And I hope your listeners get as much out of it as I did just being uh, a part of it and listening to her story. She was, she's an incredible person. And I'm just so proud of her for, you know, bringing some joy and hope back into the world. And so many people are broken and so many people go through um, either the loss of a loved one or the loss of a child or being a caddy where they're involved in an accidental death. And they carry that with them for the rest of their lives, just like we do when we lose somebody. So it was, it was really eye opening and man, she, she's just a very powerful woman. So her voice, she's got the sweet little Texan accent, (laughs) um, well, Southern accent, you know, and she's just super sweet and I really loved getting to talk with her. So I hope our listeners enjoy it as much as I did. That's awesome. Last week she debuted the podcast with, um, Cassie, uh, who actually, uh, would actually have more in common with her, I think, than perhaps even you, you do because, because Cassie is in the position that she was in having, having, uh, been a part of the accident from the other side. Uh, so, so that is a compelling podcast. We invite folks to go to Accidental Hope, uh, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, and listen to Cassie's first because, um, because it's mm-hmm. really illuminating. And then this week, of course, she's debuting the conversation with you. And we get to actually do the same thing at the same time. So people will can either listen to it on the Accidental Hope uh, podcast channel, or they'll be able to listen to that podcast on our channel right here. So that's pretty neat. Um, how long have you known yes. Jennifer? How long have you known Jennifer for? A very short time. Mm. So actually, Cassie is the one who had mentioned her to me and kind of connected us because Cassie, they they can't quite remember how they necessarily connected with one another, but mm-hmm. um, there's very limited resources for caddies out there. So they had both found this one resource website and um, had started chatting, you know, via the chat room or whatever for caddy grief support or something. Yeah. And so they connected a few years ago. And then once Jennifer started this podcast, she invited Cassie to be a guest. Oh. Okay. And they've just stayed in touch um, for kind of moral support with one another for the last few years. And then when Cassie was telling me about her, I was like, so intrigued and I, I really wanted to connect with her as well and hopefully have her on our podcast. And so, um, Cassie's the one that introduced us and Jennifer and I had started texting and just kind of discussing, you know, 
uh, Angel Talk podcast and then Accidental Hope podcast. And we thought, how cool would it be to collaborate and yeah. give her listeners and our listeners kind of a view from both sides yeah. um, and really connect and share our faith and, and bring hope for, you know, a wider audience. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. That's really yeah. cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so Bryn, how long ago did you re- record this? Cause we want to let folks know that it didn't happen like yesterday. You guys recorded this about, this about two weeks ago. Yeah. About two, two three weeks ago. Yeah. About two, three um, weeks ago. So, I mean, it's fairly recent, but it wasn't, yes, it was not yesterday, but it was a couple weeks ago that we recorded together and, um, she did want to obviously air Cassie's episode first and then our episode. So yeah. it will be airing today on the accidental hope. Cool. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be doing right now. Uh, this is the interview. We're going to toss it to the interview, uh, that Bryn had with Jennifer for accidental hope. Jennifer was kind enough to share that audio with us. So we get to actually, uh, debut that, in, that same exact interview on our channel, uh, right now. So we're going to toss it to that interview right now. Hey, welcome back to the show, guys. I'm so glad you're here with Accidental Hope. I have a new friend, and this is a little bit different format, but I want you to welcome today Bryn Johnson. She is my new friend all the way up in Washington State. Say hey, Bryn. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Oh, my Jennifer, goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I So, guys, this is just like two friends sitting down to talk. I mean, I hope that you pull up a chair and your cup of coffee and talk to us and listen. Um, we're just going to invite you into what I hope is a fun conversation, but might be uncomfortable or awkward or um, just because it's a difficult subject. Um, mm-hmm. But know that our hearts are, um, you know, we're just two two moms and two friends who have experienced grief in a completely different way and trying to learn from each other, which is awesome. So, Bryn, so nice to see you. It is so nice to see you too. I've loved, like, we've been texting and stuff, but it's so nice to see your face and talk to you. Um, and I feel like we do have a lot to talk about. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Probably. I can't even really narrow down my questions because I'm like, well, gosh, the I have so much that I could ask or want to ask. So um, right. I'm just excited to get to know you better and, you know, again, hear about, you know, your experience and where God has led you through your grief. And it's so amazing how much you've overcome and the beauty that you've transpired after your accident. And I do feel like we have so much in common in that way. And it's great to combine forces and be able to share that with our listeners. Oh, same, same. And I feel the exact same. I'm like, oh my goodness, here are, um, I'll let you tell your story because guys, you can't believe, and this is supernatural. Like, you know, the healing that transpires in grief is always something that I feel like, how do you do it without God? How do people mm-hmm. do it without God? Like, how do you have peace and that resolve without God? I, I can't imagine it. I know people do, and I'm not mm-hmm. hating on anybody. Everybody's welcome to this conversation, but I don't know how you do. And then when you see um, what you're about to hear um, between Bryn and we've already heard from Cassie, when you hear their story and you're like, that has to be God. That has to be, that's a, like mm-hmm. out of our normal thinking realm. So tell us a little bit about your story. 
Okay. Well, I'll try to, I'll try to give you a shorter version because I feel like it's so long. <laughs> but um, we are quickly approaching on the six-year mark of my daughter's passing. So uh, September 19th, it's coming up the date, the dreaded date. We all have those dreaded dates, don't we? Yeah. Um, and you know it's there, right? It, like It's it coming. It calls yes. to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the anticipation and anxiety is already starting. But anyway, so we'll backtrack. Um, I'm a mother of three. My oldest son is Wyatt and he's nine. My daughter Rowan that passed was 17 months when she passed away, but she would be seven. And I also have a four-year-old daughter named Monroe. And um, my husband Cody and I live in China, Washington. And I've been a hairdresser for 10 plus years. Um, we've always been a big part of, you know, the community out here and stuff like that. Um, my daughter passed in a tragic accident and I know for your listeners and actually for ours, my friend Cassie was um, involved in that accident with me. And after my daughter passed away, um, you know, navigating through our grief together, we decided that we wanted to start a nonprofit in honor of our, in honor of my daughter, Rowan. And um, fast forward to five years later, that nonprofit has grown and is thriving. And we've been able to help and serve over 330 families with funeral expenses and emotional support after they suffer the loss of a child. Wow. Um, we don't even have like strict age restrictions because we were case by case. And that's always been on my heart from the very beginning. And I can say on Cassie's too, because we never obviously wanted to turn down assistance if somebody was really in need, even if their child, let's say, was fresh out of high school and was 18 or 19 years old. You know, a lot of nonprofits don't offer services like over 18 years old, but we were like, you know, that's still a child. Like maybe they were packing up to go to college that weekend and got in a car accident on the way over. And um, that has now kind of become a huge part of who I am is really just providing hope and um, trying to bring faith into people's healings. And the little bit that I can do is provide that financial assistance in their time of need, because who's prepared for that? You're never prepared to plan a funeral for your child. And I don't think, well, nobody ever thinks about it, but it's, it's very costly. Um, and it's been a huge blessing to be able to provide that for families in need. Um, I also am still a hairdresser. So once I um, kind of had the nonprofit established and stuff, I'd been able to go back so I can do hair and be creative and do that part time. And that's really fun. And then I also get to be a part of the nonprofit um, race for Rowan and offer my services in that way. So it's been a huge blessing. And um, of course, I would rather have the outcome of my daughter to be here with us. But I am so thankful for God's grace to lead us in such a good direction after the accident. And um, those of you that did hear Cassie on the Accidental, Accidental Hope podcast, um, we're still very great friends. And she's been by my side the whole time. And um, she's a huge blessing in my life too, just a dear friend. And I'm sure listening to some of the podcasts that you've um, recorded, Jennifer, it's a lot about forgiveness. And um, what's really awesome with our friendship is I don't feel like I ever, ever blamed her. So it was never even a question that I had to forgive her. I just, um, 
we were already very close and very bonded. And then this, this horrible, tragic accident of the loss of my daughter, um, I think bonded us in, in an even stronger, more powerful way of like, nobody's ever going to understand what we went through that day together. Um, and I, I just love her heart and I love who she is. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine like your situation and your story, which, um, we'll have Jennifer share soon, but I can't imagine that feeling of not having forgiveness. It, it hurts my heart for you and for the family um, on the opposite end of your story. It, it really hurts my heart, you know, so it's not always the case. And I don't know how people, you know, go on living with that hurt and that unforgiveness in your heart because it's so heavy, you know? It is, or even just the forgiveness of the situation. You know, mm -hmm. have you ever, like, in marriage where you're, like, you're stressed at your spouse and you're both stressed, you just want to, like, fight with each other because you can't Yeah. And it's, <laughs> well, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're like, yeah. Um, and you're like, why are we fighting? Like, you know, it's, it's a thing in the room that you can't address or you can't fix. And, and so you're fighting, but you're really, it's not each other. It's just that thing that, you know, um, that you have to accept and that wrestling. And, um, so even in just forgiving of the situation, like I remember, um, one, I love what you're doing because it was my greatest fear for the other family that, they wouldn't have been able to have the funeral that they wanted for their dad. Yeah. So even, even with children, like I still had that fear for them. I didn't know these, I didn't know this family, but I mean, and I, I wanted to help. I wanted to help, yeah. but I wouldn't have been welcome there either. You know what I mean? But I was just right. like, you know, oh my gosh. I was on my insurance and thankfully they were great. But I was like, are we taking care of them? Like, please, I needed to mm -hmm. know, are they okay? You know? And, um, so I love that you're doing that. You're stepping in and being that relief. Um, so that's one less thing that, that a family needs to worry about, you know? Yeah. I love that. It's really wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Because that was huge. I mean, I did. I was like, "Are we doing everything we can? Are we? What are we doing?" You know. Um, yeah. And I, I, I had heard that there was a benefit dinner for the man, and I knew that I wouldn't be welcome. I wanted to go in like cognito, <laughs> like I wanted to go like dressed up just so I could give the money and buy the food. So the money went to his family, and um, I that ended up so sweet. But I, I didn't. Um, yeah. I would have been a mess. But I, I sent other people in place in my place. Wow. Yeah. Well, that is huge. Wow. After I had time to catch my breath with this, I always said, um, I can't imagine anything more painful than what I just experienced than losing my own child. You know, before I met yeah. you and Cassie, but I would always say oh. that, like, I cannot imagine anything more painful mm -hmm. in my own brain than losing my own child. You know, so I just know, and I know you can't compare grief. I know grief is grief and pain is pain and we can't compare, but I, like in my brain, like in my thinking brain, my logical brain. Oh, it's bad. It I'll is. Tell you. And it, it never is. leaves you. Yeah. No, it does not ever leave. And, um, it's rough. <laughs> it's really rough. And like you said before, 
I have seen it done, but I don't know how people get through it and navigate through it without their, their faith. Um, but again, I've seen it before, but I just feel like it's such a long, hard road, you know, to do it by yourself. Jennifer, would you share your story with our listeners on Angel Talk too? Um, yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, it was, um, my accident will be four years on October 4th. So I'm coming up on my anniversary too. I've already started thinking about mm-hmm. it's coming. Yeah. It'll be here. You know, I'm like, wait, it's already almost August is gone. And then that means there's only one month till. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, um, but so it was just a normal day. You know, I was 36 years old. Um, I have four children and we have busy schedules. You know, everybody has things to do. Um, so the boys had swim practice that day and my daughter had volleyball and my youngest just went along for the ride, right? <laughs> because they have different schedules and I have so many and there's only one of me and my husband is a coach. So he's always tied at the football field, you know, so anything else, I mean, he can't get out of practice. That's, you know, what he does. So it's just me and I would, you know, tend to help have other moms help me, you know? So, um, my older daughter who was 12 at the time, um, her best friend's mom was like, Hey, I've got Katie at the volleyball game. I'm here. I'll bring Katie to you at the boys swim practice at the Y when we're done with the game. And I was like, great. That helps so much. Then I'm not driving back and forth. I'm not having to leave them unsupervised, you know, at swim practice. It just was awesome. You know, I love moms that want to stick together. It was a Tuesday. You know, I got this Tuesday too. Dang, that's weird. I know. I get this uh, text from my friend who said, hey, I'm swinging by the house first to let my girls off. Um, They can start getting ready for school for the next day and all those things. And then I'll bring by to bring Katie to you. And I was like, okay, at first I thought, oh, no problem, you know, because I mean, I'm not going anywhere. It wasn't a big deal. She was letting me know because it was going to be a few minutes later than what she had originally told me, you know, Mm -hmm. and I had this just sudden thought, this just sudden, weird, overwhelming thought of, and I texted her back and I said, you're already home and I'm out. I'll come get Katie. Don't get back out. Stay with your girls. I'll just come grab her from your house. And you know, it never gets easier to think about why that sudden change, you know, because that sudden decision changed everything for a lot of people. And, um, basically what happened was I just went to go get my daughter from her friend's house. I had been there before, but not a lot at night. And, um, it was very dark and, um, you know, and it's a school night, you know, I just, I hadn't been there enough to like be completely comfortable. I just knew my way to get to her house, you know, and it was country road grabbed her, you know, she was telling me about her volleyball game, and at the exit to that subdivision, there was a hill, it was right on the top of a hill, and um, a motorcyclist approached from my left, and I I was just stopped at the stop sign listening to um, Katie tell me about volleyball, and um, saw no one, heard nothing, 
and pulled out and it wasn't until I pulled out into the intersection where, where suddenly I saw his headlight come over the hill and it was too late. Um, wow. so, so he did hit the back of our car. Um, my girls were um, in the car with me. So my 12 year old and my four year old and um, it happened so fast. Um, it even, I didn't understand what had had just happened. Like, cause all of a sudden we just saw a light and then it was like, I expected to be pounded. You know, I expected for this collision and mm -hmm. because it was the motorcycle, I didn't really understand my brain just cause I got so scared from that just flash of light, you know, and yeah. it came out of nowhere. It felt like it came out of just nowhere. And, um, you know, it took me a second to realize what just happened. But as soon as, you know, of course the girls are crying, you know, we're screaming and um, then I had to leave them and abandon them to go be a first responder and help him and, oh. um, and, uh, and call 911 so I could, you know, hear my girls screaming for mommy and still have to run to him in this dark road and, and help. And I tried. And we thought he was going to make it. Um, I think that's part of the heartbreak is, you know, we really thought he's going to make it. And, you know, he didn't. And, um, man, sorry. No, <laughs> it's that's never not, easier. That's no, it's not. Um, it really is not. It isn't. And, um, you know, it was not my intention that day. It was not, um, you know, I woke up just like, I'd never been in an accident before. I never even really had a ticket. Um, you know, I wasn't distracted. Just yeah. You know, um, so besides my daughter. Yeah. I mean, I mean, granted, Katie was telling me about her volleyball game, you know? Yeah. Um, but is that, it? and I was very confused. Um, we were barely, um, I think, you know, I, I was at the stop sign. So, um, you know, I was like, we weren't even really moving, you know, and, and he, he was going the speed limit is what they told me. And, you know, I, I just, mm -hmm. I didn't understand. There were so many things that I didn't understand. Um, but there was, you know, an investigation, you know, once he passed away, yeah. there's now this investigation and, um, the short version is, um, I went into a very deep depression, um, overnight, overnight, yeah. um, you know, and I was, I don't want to say suicidal, but, um, I certainly felt like if something happened, like you knew what it felt like. Yeah. Right. If something happened to me, I probably deserved it. You oh, know what I mean? I'm so sorry. Um, and, uh, yeah. I didn't understand. Of course, my family didn't understand because mm -hmm. it wasn't like everybody was grieving. You know, in, in, in some, you know, if it's a family member, at least everyone's kind of grieving. They're grieving differently, but they're grieving. I was this alien. I was mm -hmm. grieving and nobody, everybody else was like, what's happening to mom? What's happening yeah. to my wife? Where did my daughter go? Is she going to be able to get through this? Right. Um, and and it, it was probably so foreign for them too. Like they couldn't comprehend or understand what you're going through and correct me if I'm wrong, but they probably want to fix and help. Right. Um, but it's really hard to do that because nobody can really help you. You have to help yourself. Right. Um, 
man, I thank you for sharing that, Jennifer. I know that wasn't easy to talk about. That's hard. And I think what's interesting is we don't talk about it. You know, there wasn't anyone who I could find ever willing to talk about this um, beforehand other than just bashing. And I was guilty of that, but bashing these situations and wanting to get mad and blame and, um, you know, everybody's fault is everybody's fault, you know, and never never had the opportunity that I am aware of really to hear the compassion side of it, the person that wants to try and step in someone else's shoes. And I would never want anyone to come into any of our shoes, your shoes, Cassie's shoes, my shoes, um, his children's shoes. I mean, um, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy, you know, but yeah, this is, uh, this is, these accidents happen every single day. And, they're not always someone's fault. Um, Sometimes they are, but even if they are, these are just um, tragedies. Right. And all we can do is try to make the best of our pain to help the next person. And that's what you're doing. And that's what I'm trying to do. And, Mm -hmm. and it's still weird. Like, at least (laughs) I feel like yours is received a little bit better when I try to say, well, I want to try and help people that accidentally kill someone. (laughs) It's not usually, I mean, but that's where my heart is. I mean, we still need community, you know, and, um, so if you're listening to this, you're going, wow, this is weird. It is, but it's because God is so good and faithful that mm-hmm. he is giving, allowing Bryn's heart to be softened to receive my message and hear this side of it. So, yeah, anyway. but that's well, a short I, version. No kidding. Right. I know. <laughs> right? Like, how, yeah. how do you tell these stories without right. like, making them five hours long? But um, yeah. That did trigger some questions for me um, because I know, obviously, being friends with Cassie along in our story, along our journey, um, we both experienced a lot of trauma um, along with our grief after the accident. And that was really hard to overcome, like the PTSD Mm -hmm. and... um, I mean, all the things that come with grief, like your anger and your depression. And yes, I totally felt that same way where you're like, you feel like, you know what it's like to be suicidal. But again, I would never, um, I would never take my own life because I had to be here for my son and for my husband and to be a rock for my family. So I can totally relate to that feeling when you do feel hopeless. Um, Or they're better uh, off without you or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but really one of the questions I wanted to ask you was if you also struggled with, um, and I think we've talked about this before in our own private conversations, but with, um, like nightmares and PTSD and, um, the things that accompany trauma, um, did you experience that after your accident and, and how did you start to overcome that? Um, absolutely. Um, and I didn't know it was PTSD, you know, because you Mm -hmm. think PTSD, you think a soldier, you know, you think at law enforcement. Um, and I didn't know that I was experiencing grief. It took six weeks before I had these diagnoses of whatever. So I was just barely making it for the first Mm -hmm. six weeks. Um, it's just in total shock. Yeah, there was no sleep. I, I was, um, afraid I wanted sleep 
but it couldn't mm -hmm. stay asleep, couldn't fall asleep. Um, and then once I fell asleep, I did have nightmares. I did have reoccurring dreams. Um, things like uh, being stoned, um, like, uh, but it, it was like walking out of my house and people with pickets and throwing things at me and I just would kneel down. I would just kneel down and take it. So that happened a lot. Um, sometimes it was just this weird dream where I would be at the stop sign again. And this time I would know he's coming. So I'd sit and I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd be like, okay, he's coming, he's gonna come. And I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd wait and I'm just waiting. And then he doesn't come. Um, mm. So I had that nightmare. I would see shadows of the bike sometimes or like if I, saw a flash of light, you know, when you're like in a dark room, but then like a car drives by and you see that light kind of just come in briefly, it mm -hmm. would be um, triggering for his uh, headlight that, that fell and started dangling um, his Harley, like the light kind of broke off and it dangled. And um, so those things would trigger me, you know, there's so many. I know, right? I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, sometimes he would open his eyes and talk to me because I was trying to keep him alert, you know. Um, I'd re-see the scene. I would re-hear my daughter screaming for me. So I would desperately want to sleep, but then when I did sleep, it was horrible. It was very hard. Okay. Um, and I did this for weeks and months, months, um, what helped me, I think, the most was um, I eventually at some point decided to take power over it, and this took probably good two months so after I had started counseling where I just started to journal. Mm -hmm. So if I couldn't sleep, I'd go sit in my closet, and I would just write out all the nightmares. I would write out all the thoughts, all the fears. Um, I'd try to pray. I couldn't really pray. I'd try to read my Bible. I couldn't read my Bible. Um, I just listened to scripture and I would just write all it, all the fears out. It wasn't even, yeah. it isn't even legible. It was just a way yeah. to just get what was in my thought process till I just was done and I just let everything out. And I would do this over and over again every night. Um, wow. Then I started doing things like melatonin, Tylenol PM, um, sleepy time tea, lavender oil. <laughs> yeah, I got, I did all that too. You got to take like, anything you can. Right. And people are like, and I'm like, guys, this is not enough. And so at some point I got desperate, tried to go to the doctor and was like, give me something. And they were like, Jennifer, you need to feel this and experience you need to go through this grief process this one I finally got the grief and um, because I was like just give me an Ambien you know whatever you, whatever you need to give yeah. me to work just shut it down I need to shut down I don't want to remember what I think about at night and my doctor was so good because that's I wanted something to fix me and it mm -hmm. and and it really it wasn't I think that was the greatest gift he gave me was to say uh, to monitor me, but say, well, I'm not going to get this pill. There's not a pill that'll fix this. There's not yeah. a glass of wine big That's enough right. that will fix this. There's not anything that I can give you that will fix this. It's just working it out in time. And 
Um, and I still, to this day, you know, I do the pillow app and um, I take melatonin um, and I'm about up to about five hours of sleep. Good for now. you. I know. Um, my sleep quality, my husband is really funny because he'll be like, I got 80% sleep quality. And I'm like, I got 62. <laughs> um, so, got, you know, it's better. It's better. Yeah. I, I did do something that I do recommend. Um, you know, I know EMDR is really helpful therapy, but I did what's called um, neurofeedback. Mm -hmm. um, so this is so interesting to me too, because I'd never heard about it until you had mentioned it. Yes. So please share a little bit about that. Neurofeedback is a, a, a less evasive um, self-treatment. I mean, you can go to usually facilities, but you can even rent the equipment. And basically you put these sensors to your head and it gives your brain a mirror, you know, because, um, Anytime we can't sleep, usually it has to do with neurologically what's happening. You know, every thought you have is a chemical reaction in the brain. So your thinking is, is chemical reactions that are happening. And when you have, that's what, you know, these chemicals, if they're very negative, you're, you're starting to change like, you know, the acidity in your body, you know, mm -hmm. um, you're, you're changing how you eat and your gut, you know, which also affects it. I mean, our bodies are like amazing machines, you know, and with trauma, the brain doesn't really know what to do with trauma. Sometimes it feels like it just kind of bounces, especially if you don't have a logical answer. And so a lot of times my brain was like on, it was stuck kind of like when you have lots of windows open on your computer and I was just trying to figure out why I didn't see him. Like, I was like, there had to be a logical reason. Like, why? Why could I not see him coming? Um, and, and, we, and we believe that if we tried to reenact this, we may not ever even get an exact replica of that situation. Like, it had to have been a one in a whatever chance that that happened. Like, if he was off a few seconds, if I was off a few seconds, this mm -hmm. collision wouldn't have happened. He literally hit the very end of my car. Um, you know, it's just weird. It's just weird. It's a whole thing. It's just weird. You know, just trying to understand why this happened. So when my brain couldn't give myself a logical answer, even though I was consciously thinking about wishing I could sleep, my brain, my subconscious was still trying to recreate scenarios to come up with this answer, you know, and the mm -hmm. neurofeedback gives you a mirror to your brain so it can rewire your brain. It can help direct and put a place kind of like EMDR. You, you put a place for that memory to where it's not so in the forefront or present where you don't have those um, physical responses like fight or flight or adrenaline pumping constantly. I mean, yeah. just pumping constantly. Like you are probably hyper vigilant with your other kids, you know, noises and where's the baby and you know where's my kids and I can't have this happen again we can't have this happen again you know I can't go through this again you know that kind of thing and um but neurofeedback helped a lot I take my melatonin faithfully I thank God for every you know every inch forward you know wow that's amazing I am um, I'm really interested in that 
not necessarily for myself anymore because I don't feel like I need that at this point in where I'm at, but Mm -hmm. um, I am excited to share this with some of our angel families that may be suffering from like the trauma and the PTSD. And um, I definitely will look into that to see if there's somewhere close by in our area that I can share that with our um, families because that is just really neat that when you told me about that, I'm like, wow, I'd never had heard of it. So um, it's interesting. It's crazy. And see, I learned about it because I worked with um, students on the spectrum. So, I mean, it helps Mm -hmm. with all kinds of, um, it helps with reflexes. It helps with um, PTSD symptoms, anxiety, panic. Uh, It's very, the brain is so powerful. It's just amazing. Um, But it wants to, it wants to heal. Our bodies yeah. want to heal, you know, if we give it that opportunity. And, um, but the journaling, of course, helped too. Um, if you're looking for something that doesn't, you know, cost money or require insurance, you know, the journaling helped putting it out there, speaking yeah. out and, and um, having a trusted friend or, you know, um, certainly helped too. But That's great. Great advice. Well, uh, how, what, what did you do? Like, what, what did you just, I mean, what helped you in those first few months after the accident? Do you have any advice? Well, I didn't take the um, healthy route. <laughs> I didn't sleep for quite a while. And again, just like you, I was terrified to fall asleep because I had such horrific um, nightmares that I would obviously wake up from them. But I think you're so, and I mean, a lack of better words, uh, messed up, you know, really recently after you suffer a loss or you go through a tragedy like that, or you're in a very traumatic situation, your mind's so boggled anyway. And then to top it with lack of sleep, I mean, I was- Makes everything worse, yeah. Delusional. I was honestly delusional. And I've always been a very um, faithful person and a believer, but I was so- distraught and with lack of sleep, I, I would tell my husband that I thought the devil was walking down our hallway to take another child from me. Oh yeah. And I would just lay in my bed and pray because that's all I knew what to do. Um, and I would pray that God would let make the devil leave. Cause I'm like, he's already, um, destroyed and taken, you know, one child for me and has ruined my life. And I, I truly just it sounds so dark, but that's where I was. I really just thought like, oh, the devil's just waiting down the hallway to, you know, pluck off another kid. And um, I remember the only thing, I'm going to get emotional, but the only thing I could do was pray because you're so sleep deprived and um, you couldn't even see straight to read a Bible verse. So there were times where I'd reach for my Bible and I would read, but I couldn't even make sense of it because my mind was so boggled. Same. And you can't, you can't think straight. And, um, I remember me and my husband would just hold each other and cry. Um, and he didn't, he didn't have the nightmares as bad as I did. Um, he was on the scene as well, right after the accident, when my daughter was, um, hit by the vehicle in our driveway of our home, um, Cassie was doing CPR on Rowan and I ran up to get my husband and wake him up because he had worked graveyard the night before. Um, so he was sleeping during the accident, but I woke him up a few minutes after to come down. And, and when I woke him up, I was just covered in blood and 
he was so confused, obviously, to be woke up like that. Like, what's going on? And I just kept screaming, it's Rowan, you need to come. And then, um, you know, he suffered from obviously some nightmares and some major trauma from the event itself as well. Um, but I don't think he had the nightmares and the lack of sleep as much as I did. Um, I don't know why, but I feel like men usually can sleep better. <laughs> or is that just right? My I don't, I don't know. know. I yes. snoring, and I'm like, how are you asleep? Right, <laughs> you know? right, yeah. Oh. Oh. I, I agree with you that. on that, but there's just layers. There's so many layers to this trauma, mm-hmm. to these traumas. Um, and that, yeah, like I said, we wouldn't wish this on our worst enemy. There, there are no. and the visual part of it and the just trying to make sense of it. That's why there is that PTSD. Like, even though I know I'm not a soldier, I'm not comparing, please, you know, don't, I don't want you to hear that from me. I did, I've never, I appreciate mm-hmm. people who risk their lives for our country and our freedoms or law enforcement. Um, but that's where that part of the brain, it fragments, it literally fragments your brain and your memory and um, where it's not our every day. We're not prepared for that situation. That's not normal to suddenly see these things. And, and the brain doesn't know what to do with it. It really doesn't. It, it doesn't know what to do. Yeah. With it. And um, yeah, there's so many. It was, oh, it's awful. And like even. Um, so like movies affect you differently. Commercials yeah. affect you differently. Jokes and words. Like I can't say like, oh, I'm a total wreck. Like I can't say certain words. Um, like, like, oh, I can't, driving, I'm sure. Yeah. Driving. Um, even, even when I was awake, like I remember anytime I would peer out my window, I would see the scene of the accident out the window every time I looked because it obviously happened at our home. I cannot imagine. Did y'all have to move? I can't, I can't. No, like, I still live in the same home. And, wow. um, wow. I, that was a really hard thing for us to decide um, because obviously a lot of people are like, how did you stay there? You know? And I did have many moments where I was like, I don't know if I can be here. But at the same time, my only memories of my daughter were in this home right. and beautiful memories. Like and you don't want to forget her life. Yeah. I, I see mean, that. We have three beautiful children that came home to this house, right. and we. Um, this was the first home me and my husband bought together and raised our family. And um, when, when I was during the grieving process, thinking of that, I thought how many amazing memories I'd be leaving behind versus, obviously, one absolute horrible, the worst. But you know, I mean, my daughter took her first bite of food here. She took her first steps here. I brought her home from the hospital here. Um, all of it. And we've, we're still here. I love my home. Um, it's the beauty I from ashes. It, it really is. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I can look out the window now and not see the accident. I mean, I can, if I'm talking about it, but <laughs> um, I, I love our home. So yeah. I, I do think it is a lot of mind over matter when you're healing and, um, choosing to see the good. Like I love my home for the memories that we made here with our daughter. And I'm not saying we'll stay here forever because we have talked about moving at some point, but I know when we do, it's going to be really hard to close this chapter because I'm so emotionally attached to it. Um, 
and her room is still pretty much the same as far as not, it doesn't have her crib in it anymore because um, our daughter that we had after Rowan passed away, she obviously has Rowan's old room. Um, but all of like Rowan's decorations are still in there and like her toys. And then we've just added Monroe, our youngest daughter's things to it. So I call it the girls' room. It's not just Monroe's room. It's the girls' room because I haven't um, even had, I guess, it's not been the right time for me to start taking things down or, you know, I just add things to her room. So it's both of theirs, but yeah, I'm really attached, I guess, to the home now. So, and that's something different for my husband as well. I don't think that men always get the um, sentimental attachment like we do when it comes right. to silly things like that. Cause he's, he's actually wanted to move a few different times. Like, you know, just take different opportunities that might come along. And I'm like, well, I am not ready for that. Right. <laughs> and he's like, okay, well, I guess we'll talk about this maybe in a few more years. I'm like, right. okay. Because <laughs> it'll be another grief process. You know, oh, you, I sure. totally get it. You know, you have her little steps in certain places and her, her part of her feels still there, you know, and. Uh, oh, for sure. And so I know, I don't want to. If this is weird, you just tell me, but like, I know, I know that when I've, um, revisited the scene a couple times, mm -hmm. um, I felt the closest to this man I never knew. Um, and I don't get to go back and it is very haunting and it is very scary to go up that hill, um, to where that subdivision, I've been back maybe, maybe twice in four years mm -hmm. and, um, no, three three times and um but it's still like this sacred place yeah so I can imagine for you it would be the same thing it'd be like a sacred space even though it's your driveway but in some ways like you feel like they're there I don't want to get weird <laughs> I know well it is weird it <laughs> is weird I've just learned that it might not be everybody's time to hear the weird things that come out but it's real and it's raw and, I can't talk uh, about this with everybody because they'll be like yeah. uh, that's a little weird that's a little out there that's a yes, but, <laughs> but I know, feel I like can... other people can kind of feel that that there's something sacred about that space I don't want to visit it very often and it's very traumatic mm -hmm. when I do but um but I don't have any good memories to help me either right you know right so for me uh, like our home still just feels like she's a part of it, everything we do. So like, um, I just feel like she's still with us every day here. And, um, thankfully I'm to a place now where I don't even think hardly ever about like the actual accident itself. You know, it's finally to a place where it's not in my mind 24 seven. I can, that part is, um, I think I've healed from that. So to me, like this is her home, just like it is my other children's home. And uh, yeah, I do feel like, I guess probably the closest with her when I'm, when we're here home as a family. And does that make uh, sense to you too? Cause that's so, I know. yeah. Wow. I don't okay, think good. that would be the case for everybody. Cause I know that, you know, everybody grieves differently and heals differently. Um, so obviously I don't think that's the case for everyone, but that is, I definitely, yeah, I just feel like she's home with us just like the other kids. Yeah. So just in a different way. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I heard on your show, Angel Talk, about, you know, talking about sissy signs and you know, I believe that God knows what we need, you know, because I had that with my grandmother. I remember when my grandmother passed, I remember just needing um, peace and feeling like, oh, I think that was, that was from, you know, Nana, you know, and um, then to, it's weird to feel that, but I felt this about this complete stranger, you know, I didn't have any memories, but I just felt little things like, I think that was from him. I think that was God yeah. giving me this, reassuring me, this validation, this peace, knowing what yeah. I needed to help my own mental sanity. Do you want to share one of yours? I mean, I haven't heard you. Um, I just know that you kind of talk about this. I do. I, I really love it because I think we all receive um, sissy signs, <laughs> your own personal sissy sign, whether it be from, you know, any past loved one or anybody that you've lost. And, um, I think, yeah, like you said, God brings them to you at the perfect timing when you're really needing them the most. And what that triggered for me when you were sharing that, um, and this is something I've actually never shared on angel talk before even, but, um, in the beginning after Sissy passed away, I would get signs all the time. Um, cause I think I needed them. 24 seven. So whether a feather would fall at my feet while I was like walking on a trail, um, cause I would do a lot of hiking and stuff after she passed away. And I just wanted to be in the, in nature. Cause that was very calming for me. But I just remember I would always, always find a feather pretty much on every hike I'd ever go on. And, um, songs would come on like her favorite song when she was alive was all about that bass by Megan Trainer, and she loved to dance, so she would shake her booty, and um, we would call her, she would butt bomb her dad, this is just silly talk, but like, that was like her form of wrestling, as she would dance, and like, drop it like it's hot, and then she'd go run, and like, <laughs> I love it, like, drop her butt on her dad, oh my gosh, so funny, so she was just a very, like, full of life character, um, but that song had, would come on, like, just, at the right, perfect timing when I was really, really having a hard moment or something like that. But I had went through a a period of time where it was like really stagnant and I wasn't getting these signs anymore, not as frequent. And I, um, you know, would cry and I would pray and I would talk to Rowan out loud and just be like, Oh honey, like, please just come visit mommy. Like I would give anything for you to just visit me in a dream. You know, you're almost begging for those little moments because you miss them so much. So, and I would pray to God, like, can you please just free her up a little bit in heaven to like visit mommy in a dream? Cause I know she's busy. Like she's got big plans and she's a powerful little thing. So I know she's making a difference. And, um, but can you give her like a little bit of time for me to just visit? And, um, oh, I didn't expect to get emotional. No, but. no, I'm here. You, I'm with, <laughs> I'm with you. And I remember just begging for that. And one of my friends is a masseuse and she had messaged me and she said, you know, I'd love to come over and give you and Cody free massages. Just my treat to you guys, because I want you to relax and just like meditate. And, um, this was a few months after the accident. So maybe four or five months after the accident had happened. And my background with this friend, her name is Tiffany. Um, her father, dated my mother for 
like 10 plus years. And it was my mom, her dad was the love of my mom's life. Well, he passed away a little bit prior to Rowan passing away. Um, but we had really bonded. Like she was there for me during that time of my grief because she had lost her dad and she was just always checking in on me, but she had offered, you know, I want to come give you and Cody massages. I just want you to relax and just tune out and meditate. And I'm going to, um, massage you. So she had came over and I was telling her, I'm like, I haven't received any signs from Rowan for a while. And it's like really weighing heavy on me because like, I need that connection with her. And, um, she's like, well, daddy, daddy's already told me that they're together. Um, she's like, Brynn, I've had so many visions of them just, um, driving around in an old pickup truck in the fields with this tall, beautiful grass. And they're laughing, like just their contagious laughs, having the best time in heaven. And, um, that was his new grandbaby, you know, that he had up there. So we were just laughing about that. And then she basically was like, okay, now you're going to meditate and I'm going to massage you. So we talked about it for a little bit and I almost went into like a pretty good meditative state. Plus I was sleep deprived because I hadn't been sleeping. So I was kind of in that like half asleep, half awake feeling and I just got the most clear as day vision of Rowan running through a field of um, tall daisies, beautiful Aww. flowers. And she was laughing and spinning and jumping and so joyful. And um, like, I will never forget that vision because it was pure joy and happiness. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was just... Um, like Tiffany's good energy and we could, um, open up to one another. But I really felt like with her getting me in that like relaxed state and us being able to open up and share those deep moments with grief with one another. Um, I just, I saw that beautiful vision and I felt like that was such a gift from God, but I really felt like it was real. Like total gift from me, God. Yeah. Yeah. And like she was showing me like, mom, I'm having the best time. And she was laughing. I'm okay. And jumping. Yes. And it was beautiful. Yeah. It, that's beautiful. And I believe that that was real because oh, I, I almost, I almost felt it too. Just you sharing mm -hmm. it. That is absolutely how God works. He knows our heart so well and he knows what is um, our minds better than we do. And he knew that you needed that, that friend Tiffany to share in that maybe to even just unlock it to where you're, you can receive it, that gift. Yeah, that exactly. Was timing. It was, it really was. I, Man, I didn't expect to get so emotional, but thanks for um, sticking through that with me. Yeah, no, this is, you know, it is my privilege and honor just to get to sit with you. And, and I hope it doesn't trigger you to a bad place, but it comes to, you come to a point where, and I hope I want this for everyone who experiences grief that you can have both. You can right. have your sadness and your joy at the same time. Exactly, you know, when, I love that. When you when you said about the Megan Trainer all about that base, I remember that that you know had come out because I started using it in my classroom. You know, when we're <laughs> doing geometry, all about the base, like finding the base measurement. You know, and so yeah. I sing it all the time. <laughs> But it's like I could just see that little baby and and if when you hear it, you want to cry, but you also can just see her and it gives you that joy, that bubbly, it bubbles up, you know, joy from unexpected places and, you know, don't lose that because that's special and um, yeah. 
you know, that's, that's God walking us through it. He doesn't say we're not going to experience pain and grief and suffering in this world, but he says, I'm going to come along with you. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of those things we can experience. He doesn't want us to be stuck, you Mm -hmm. know, and I think, um, that can be the pitfall. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about the forgiveness part and forgiving the situation. We've talked about the triggers, which was good because it's something I've never really brought up on my show a whole lot about the different triggers that we experience, but it's important to find the little blessings, um, because we can be stuck and shut them out too. We can, Mm -hmm. we let our mind wander we can, we can shut them out, but God wants to give us that butterfly that flies, that, that bird that, you know, comes to you, the, the breeze. I got nature. Nature is such good medicine. Um, It is. It It is is. seriously a blessing. Like what a beautiful way to um, release, like release the anxiety, release the anger, the hurt, the pain. Seriously, just being outside in nature is such a healing. It's such a healing way. And giving back. And that's why I think it's important to where, obviously, you don't want to give from a a wound. um, But, you know, creating community and paying it forward. Did you have anyone, you said your friend Tiffany had experienced loss, but did you have anyone else that reached out to you that really became this community who knew exactly where you were in your grief? Like, um, like maybe someone who also had lost a child. you know, what were some of those experiences that were helpful versus hurtful or both, if you want to share an example? Well, um, that is kind of a tough question because no, I hadn't really ever known anybody that had lost a child um, before. I mean, I had, I've had friends that have, um, you know, suffered a miscarriage and um, obviously that is equal equally as you know tragic um but i didn't know anybody firsthand in my like everyday life that had ever suffered a loss in in that way and i was feeling very alone because it's not something that i'd really ever heard of before um the closest person that i could think of when you mentioned that was my pastor jim ford who has been a guest on Angel Talk before. And um, I had never went to his church. I'd never met him before. But in our small community, I had heard of the accident of his daughter um, passing away in a car accident the year prior, or maybe a year and a half prior of Rowan's accident. But I'd never met him, nothing. Um, But he did come to my home after Rowan passed away. And I think he, I mean, he prayed over me and my husband and he just to have a hug from somebody that understood the loss of a child, um, was huge because I knew nobody else in my life that knew what that really felt like. So, um, that was a huge support for me. And, um, really other than that, even though nobody understood necessarily, I think clinging to the people that are comforting to you at that time. Um, obviously my family surrounded me and my husband during that time. And I think just having that support system, even the simple things, like I, I remember I couldn't drive. So like my mother-in-law would come and get me to take me to just 
get me out of the house and we would go um, do yoga together or we would go to the grocery store together. Kind of, I had a babysitter for a few months because I was so incapable of really even functioning. And um, my husband obviously dealt with grief a lot different than I did. And he took a few weeks off of work, but after that, he was ready to go back to work and, and start living um, a normal day-to-day -day routine again, whereas I really felt like I couldn't do that. I, I was um, a very busy hairdresser in town where I had a full clientele, and we had a busy salon, and I, I was like, I can't go back in the public. I, you know, because I felt on display, really, um, where his work is construction type work and he, you know, men y'all have kind of a small town, you know, y'all have kind of a small, yeah. close knit town. Yeah. Very small town. And, um, it's a curse and it's a blessing at the same time because everybody knows your business. So I couldn't go to the grocery store without having everybody staring, you know, whether they realized they were or not, it was really uncomfortable for me to, um, face anybody because I felt to blame. Like, how did I not know where my daughter was at that time? And, um, you go through all those different layers of the demons. And that if, get you're, if you're listening to this, please, if you've ever had that thought, stop and rebuke it right now and repent because guys, whatever you've thought, y'all just know we've thought, whatever you've yeah. thought about me, I've already thought about me, you know, and, exactly. and all those things. Yeah. Cause so. you do, you, you feel like, um, you're at the very bottom of, <laughs> of life at that point, you know, like what else can go, you know, what else can you take from me? Like I felt terrible about myself, but I know Cassie felt that same way, you know? And like, so y'all both... had that bond because at least y'all knew you were both yeah. there. You knew and you both yeah. felt on display. So you could both kind of cling together. That's yeah. We were both like hermits. I would text her and just be like, how are you doing? You know, we were both horrible and we were miserable, but, um, she was very, she wanted to stay isolated as well. And I did too. I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere, but you know, my sister-in-law is making me or somebody's making me go somewhere with them. And, um, it was, it was good. You know, I needed, I think somebody to be strong for me during that time. Cause I couldn't. And, and really for my son too, cause um, I really relied on my family to help with my son at that time because I just really felt um, like I couldn't do anything. Right. So I think you just have to lean and rely on those people that bring you comfort. I mean, you might not find anybody that has experienced that firsthand um, or even tragedy in their lives. But if there's somebody that can offer a hug or just hold your hand or pick you up to take you to the grocery store. I mean, those are the people that got me through those really hard beginning stages. And, um, they're still the people that I'm close with today. So, and unfortunately, I think when you go through something really tragic, you might lose a few friends after something like that, because you don't have time to put energy into something that's, um, I guess not giving you, anything in return. And that sounds selfish, but when you're really, really hurting and you're really struggling just to get through a day in those right. beginning phases, your circle you gets smaller. Put, yeah. yeah. And, um, I unfortunately kind of turned away from some of my friendships that I really just didn't have the energy to, to put any, anything into them anymore. So, um, it's not that I stopped caring about those people. I just literally couldn't, 
I didn't have the energy to do anything other than focus on healing and getting through a day and taking care of my son and, um, trying somewhat to nourish my marriage. So, uh, I think that's something that's obviously hard to understand if somebody's never went through something really traumatic or, you know, a loss, but it's not that, um, we don't care about you or love you. It's like, you just have to put all your energy and effort into just healing and getting through it. So, right. Um, Give yourself grace. You can't, you yep. can't invest because even a conversation, you have to invest and give, you know, and sometimes you just can't, you know, you mm -hmm. got this much energy and this much patience and this much, you know, and it really needs to be, like you said to your son, your husband, you know, and, and Cassie probably understood that too. She was experiencing mm -hmm. it in the same, so y'all could see each other, you know, yeah. I want to tell you something so special. You'll hear it when her show um, airs because uh, we recorded it like almost a month ago, but um, she talked about just the kindness, the overwhelming kindness from your family expressed. Oh, and, I love that. And, you know, it was, it was more than just kindness. You have, I'm telling you, it was life giving. Oh, that, her. that makes my heart happy. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. that, I mean, really like, honestly, the difference between, life and death for her and or people like us and uh, so that is just literally one of the most beautiful things that um, I just want to I, I just want to say almost like thank you to your family um, how much that would mean to someone as a as a caddy remember caddy is yes. causing accidental death or injury um, it's better than saying accidental killer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <sighs> um, Not to laugh, but sometimes. Right, right. Like, and so that's do? just such a beautiful thing um, to have community that way. Yeah, it was, it was such a hard time, but I do um, remember just feeling so worried for her because obviously we would stay in communication, but I knew how bad she was struggling too. And I was worried for her because I'm like, Cassie, you're a mom and you're a wife. And like, we have to get through this together. Like we have to, like, you can't give up. Like I'm still going forward and you have to be with me. Like you can't just give up because I was so worried about her. Cause she, you know, you're just so miserable. And, um, I remember my family being equally as worried for her and, you know, we would go to her house to bring her like just little anything like little necklace or a little gift or just a hug and just tell her we're thinking of her. And, um, at that time I, it was just what we did. Like it wasn't abnormal for us, you know, because that's, we just already had loved her. Um, but I'm just so thankful that, you know, even now today, almost six years later, like we still get together for like family things or, you know, uh, she was over for my son's birthday party and just to like be able to sit together on the back patio and have a drink together and watch our sons playing. Like, I'm just really happy that we've been able to come to this place and still remain like family. I don't feel like she's even just a friend anymore. She's like a family member to me. And I think my family feels the same way. So, that's so beautiful. beautiful. 
It is. There's, it's so beautiful. It's mind boggling. It's got to be God. And I'm so grateful for that. I I am so grateful for that because the spiritual aspect that you were talking about earlier, I mean, there is so many layers of spiritual attack. I Mm -hmm. so wholeheartedly do not believe you're crazy for one bit. I believe absolutely felt very similar feelings. And, you know, I've, and I'm, I believe that when you go through that fire, that test, almost like I'm not comparing us to Job, but like there is that overcoming and there's been probably other things that have happened since then, but like you now know, like if you can handle that Mm -hmm. and God was faithful in that, it's like, come at me, whatever, um, pandemic, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's weird, the resolve of like a pandemic, you know, because I'm like, I've already experienced, I feel like the worst of the worst that, that I, you know, besides losing a a child, I told you that, you know, um, where the pandemic, I'm like, you know, I haven't had that much anxiety. I haven't, um, I, I have sorrow for people. I have compassion towards other people, but my world's already gone upside down. And I knew it, it, things look different and it's going to be okay to where everybody else's life is upside down right now. And they're still grieving life before the pandemic where I've experienced that. I didn't have a pandemic, but I had like everything of life went to, you know, where, and, and here we are, things are different, but it's okay. So I feel like it's the same thing, um, kind of feeling, but man, Wow. Um, I know we could go, we could probably talk about like all kinds of things and well, you are always welcome back to accidental hope. Um, well, thank you. You too. I would love to do this again. I mean, there's so much to talk about. There is. And I, I truly appreciate what you're doing for families. Um, I know that, you know, we, we briefly talked about when there's the, the accident and, you know, the parent is the driver and, you know, Mm -hmm. or a sibling is the driver and the accident occurs where they're having to care for, you know, they're experiencing like layers, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know that if I told you this before, but you're actually the second situation or event or similar tragedy with best friends. Like I've met another best friend group where the accident occurred with a little girl, um, an 18 month old baby girl, almost exact scenario. Um, One best friend, they lived next to each other, ran over to grab eggs, always usually walks, but this time drove the SUV, ran in, borrowed eggs, went back out. The little baby trailed around and got under the SUV. You know, it um, happens so fast. It can, and yeah, it can, and it's heartbreaking. But the um, the friendship, you know, we're still praying for that friendship to be mended. You know, oh. we're still praying for that friendship to be mended. And um, but you give. I I hope that when um, my friend who hears this, who is a caddy, I hope that y'all's story. I hope that y'all's story gives other families hope, and yeah. and maybe inspires the beauty of 
coming together, setting the pain as the purpose to help other people, letting it mm -hmm. fuel instead of imploding on each other, like coming together and getting closer knit where there's unity and there's grace and there's like, there's so much testimony from that versus like anger, bitterness, you know, walls, division. I'll never speak to them again. It, like no fruit comes from that. No. You know, and it takes more energy to, to stay, stay angry yes, and carry that around. Like it's not, well, it's definitely not healthy, but it's not a good way to live. And how no. can you start healing if you're carrying around all that anger and resentment and hatred right. um, towards somebody else? Um, it's sad because I do see, I do see that obviously in everyday yeah. life as well. And um, we're not judging, we're not judging, but no, we, just want so, you to, we want you to feel the fullness, you know, and like feel the freedom from the that freedom. Because yeah. It's actually very freeing to not have to carry that around every day. And I'm not saying I haven't ever battled like blaming myself or being angry because I went through all those phases of, um, you know, I, I had years of anger and I didn't even know what I was angry who I was angry at, I knew what I was angry about, but I didn't know who I was angry at. So those feelings are so normal and they're so necessary to be healing in your grief. Um, but when you finally find freedom from the blame or um, letting go of like the anger and the hatred, you feel free and it's, um, it's healing. So healing. Um, not saying that you're pain doesn't ever go away. But like you said earlier, you can have grief and joy in your heart at the same time. And, um, you'll have, you know, you'll always have that little piece of brokenness in your heart, but you can still live a really full, joyful life again. And, um, so don't give that up. I mean, it's, it takes a full-time effort every single day to move forward one step at a time and heal a little bit and keep going because life can still be beautiful all over again. So. Um, oh, amen. I love yeah. that. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It, oh, so good. I know. In the, I know when you're in the dark times, it's really hard to think that that could ever be a possibility. Cause I just yeah. remember thinking like life is over. There's never going to be any hope. Yeah. Um, and it is, it's baby steps, one little baby step at a time. And, um, you'll find little slivers of happiness again, and then it'll become a whole pie slice of happiness. And then you get the whole pie again. It's so life can get back to normal and it can be beautiful. So keep fighting the fight folks and yes. you can overcome. Keep fighting the good fight. Is there yeah. anything else that you want me to answer that we didn't cover? Because I feel like this was such a good conversation. I mean, you know, oh, I, my heart I is too. so full. My heart is so I feel full. like it was a great conversation too. I think that we should maybe revisit our, our um, do this again a few months from now and just um, take off where we left off because I could talk to you for another hour. <laughs> for real. Yes. Or maybe after this next anniversary. I think um, you yeah. have a big oh. milestone, you know, when you get to, when you get to uh, the five year was such a big milestone, you know, um, Cassie yes. did a, a guest blog for me, um, for, for the five year. And, um, you know, I think, uh, now it's like, wow, it's been over half a decade. I can see that where I'm, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's almost been five years. Isn't that mm -hmm. weird how like, yeah, 
how time like messes with you a little bit. It It does. It does. And we're still going, but you know, what's so interesting is this last time on the anniversary, I felt like I had convinced myself, um, on the third that it was the fourth. I, it, you told me this oh story. Oh my gosh! This is so Did funny. I tell you? I, yeah. I mean, as, as if, you know, when you know, like when you're like, oh, it's it's Friday, and you're like, no, it's still Thursday. You know, I mean, like I had <laughs> <Yeah>. legit convinced <laughs> yeah. myself that it was the fourth when it was the third, and I had just been miserable all day, and I had beat myself up. And then by some point I realized, wait a minute, I still have to do this again tomorrow. Oh, and it no. was like this hilarious blonde moment where I yeah. was like, wait a minute, the Lord's trying to teach me something here. But I realized that that, that is not what God wants for any, for any of us. He wants us mm-hmm. to just find the, find the beauty, find the good, you know, give back and um, don't beat ourselves up, you know. Don't right. beat ourselves up. It's not, life is not, there's no, there's no room for regret. There's so many lessons I think these accidents can teach us um, if we allow it. And one yeah. of my biggest ones is there's no room or energy for regret. There isn't. It's, you know, do your very best that you can do. Move on and make each day a little bit better if you can. You know, that's, yeah, what, that's-, that's what David taught me. And I hope, and I think that's what Rowan teaches too. So awesome. Yeah. Oh, Jennifer, I learned a lot from you today. So thank you so much for opening up to me as well. So I loved this. Thank you. Thank you for coming on this show. I can't wait to, um, to follow up. We're Facebook friends now and please tell everybody how they can find out more about race for Rowan. And if they want to give to this amazing cause, how can they find you? Yes, um, our nonprofit is Race for Rowan. We have all of the social media. Spell um, Rowan. Spell uh, Rowan. Rowan yeah, just in case. Yes, um, Rowan is R O W Y N, and our website is raise R A I S E for Rowan dot org, and um, you can go on there to see all of our upcoming events and fundraisers. We do things virtually now with. With the COVID, we have um, been hosting virtual online fundraisers that have actually been really successful, and um, that's been able to keep our doors open and still continue to give to our angel families. We do help all over the West Coast of the United States, so we are not just partial to Washington. We try to help um, and serve as many states as possible. As possible. Sorry, I got a little tongue-tied. Um, all of our angel babies are also on our website if you want to check them out. And we also have the podcast Angel Talk, where we try to offer just some hope and emotional support for these families, Um, really anybody that has suffered loss, because it's not just always um, about specific child loss. We try to be um, broad and know that there's so many people grieving for um, other people and other reasons. So we talk about grief and... um, Yeah. So check us out. You can find us online or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. And we also have merchandise that we always sell. So we can ship that to you wherever you are, if you want to support in that way as well. It's a great cause. And we always just try to have some fun. So um, check it out. Yes. I love it. Good deal. Good deal. (laughs) 
Okay, so that was the interview between Jennifer and Bryn for the Accidental Hope podcast. We thank Jennifer again for just sharing that podcast with us so we can actually share that with our listeners and give our listeners an opportunity to hop on the Angel Talk podcast and listen to their conversation. Jennifer uh, strikes me as a really passionate person who's got a lot of energy and is trying to turn, just like just like uh, what you have done and what some of our guests have done, trying to turn uh, the world's worst negative into something that means something to the world. So I think that's really cool. I do too. She's such a very um, well-spoken individual and she's got so much knowledge behind her. I kept being like, wow, you're teaching me so much in like this little <laughs> amount of time. And um, I want to say her accident was three years ago or maybe going on four, but it's been less um, than mine and Cassie's accident. And the amount of healing that she's done in this time is remarkable. And um, also the amount of hope that she's brought to other people and how successful accidental hope has been in this short amount of time. Cause she just recently started that as well. And she's really just put her energy into that and being a light for others. And what a huge blessing that that is. Yeah, I know. What, what, yeah. uh, what, what are a couple of things, cause you've mentioned it two or three times now, the whole learning thing that you've learned something new. What are a couple of things specifically in your course of your conversation? Did you go, Oh wow, that's something different that I didn't realize. Well, first of all, she talked a lot about, um, trauma therapy. So she taught me a lot about different forms of trauma therapy and now I won't remember the names of it because <laughs> I am terrible at those things. But um, we do talk about it in the podcast. So mm-hmm. uh, reference that. I mean, just different resources that I wasn't aware of. And it really helped me also open my eyes to putting myself in her shoes where she's she's like hated by the family um, yeah. of the man that she had accidentally hit. Yeah, that's a huge difference between the- her experience and Cassie's oh. experience. Cassie's obviously not hated yes. by you. So it, I mean, it's, it's so hard to put yourself in that situation or somebody else's shoes, but it also like really broke my heart that there's so much hatred there still yeah. because she's such a, a awesome person and she's a mother and she's a wife and she's, you know, a good, good person and human being. And there's somebody, there's a whole family out there that like hates her. Yeah. And, um, I know how grief works and I know, um, it's hard to let your heart fill up with hatred and, um, angry feelings, but it really is so sad after getting to know her that they could, you know, they could soften their hearts and just, you know, maybe not even have a relationship with her, but it's, it's really unfortunate that, that that's the situation. Cause I think it makes it harder for obviously that family to carry around that hatred and it's also hard for her to live knowing that that family still blames her 100% and they, and they despise her and hate her. And, um, she even wants to get a tattoo in honor of the man. Yeah. And I mean, that just shows like her, her love for him. And she has this deep connection with him and, um, man, it's just really cool to know that even in her position and her role in his, in his death, she still has such a deep connection with him and she, um, talks to him and she wants a tattoo in his honor. And 
still, at the end of the day, even though she has so much compassion for the family, they still really despise and hate her. And that that broke my heart, but it also, um, I think, opened my eyes to not everybody, not everybody's situation is the same. Right. And not everybody has a heart ready to forgive or right. um, heal. So. Well, and I think it also illustrates how special it is that uh, you were able to, you and Cassie were able to, to do something together. Because I think that 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 would be really hard. Uh, I think that there are probably people out there who who would look at the other family and be like, "Oh, well, yeah, of course they're still angry. I would be." But right. the power of forgiveness, the power of the uh, the power the power of reconciliation is huge. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like you said, the only thing that that anger is doing is providing a, an anchor that w- it weighs them down, you know, it really does. and, uh, that is, that is pretty, that is pretty sad to, to, to hear. And, um, it's a huge difference between her experience and say Cassie's experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, that was really, that was really interesting. Uh, we will be partnering. We cannot announce too much. We don't have many details on it, but we will be working with Jennifer in the future on a few different initiatives involving Race for Rowan. So we'll have more information as that comes out. We're excited about that. We're excited about that partnership. We don't know necessarily know what it all looks like yet, but uh, we do have some things that we think will help in our emotional support programming that I think a lot of people will be very excited about. Um, we want to thank Jennifer for allowing Bryn to come on and, and having really a great organic kind of conversation, taking it down different roads and basically highlighting Raise for Rowan and, and the mission that we're doing between talking with Cassie and then talking with Bryn this week and even sharing the podcast with us so that we can provide it to you, the listeners, uh, in this podcast form so that our Angel Talk listeners have a chance to, to listen to it too. So we want to thank Jennifer for for hopping on. Um, we will be having our golf tournament this coming Friday. Uh, we're excited for everybody who's going to be joining us on that. This is actually one of the biggest golf tournaments we've ever had, which is crazy yes. in the age of COVID. We're having one of the, the biggest golf tournaments we've ever had. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. We want to thank all of the sponsors and all of the team members who stuck with us through the really tough stuff, uh, who, are, who are supporting us even in these really crazy down times. It's just pretty cool that we're going to be able to get out there, socially distance, wear our masks, sanitize our hands, and play some golf. It'll be pretty awesome. It'll be great. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, we will have more details on our Y Night, which is being converted into a Facebook Live virtual event uh, on November 7th. So look out for some of that. But yet again, we want to thank Jennifer uh, for allowing us to come on, allowing Bryn and Cassie to tell the story of their experience and building Race for Rowan to where we are today. And uh, we'll be back next week with more content. We have a bunch more uh, new podcasts that will be coming out with different uh, topics. We'll have some, some special guests again. We'll have some guests that people have heard from before. And then we'll have some new ones. So uh, look out for that. We want to thank all the listeners for still listening. Make sure that you share this with family or friends that you think will get something from it. Uh, subscribe and review us because the more you do that, the more we have an opportunity for folks to take a listen. So uh, once again, we want to thank Accidental Hope. That podcast is Accidental Hope. That's the other podcast that Bryn and Cassie appeared on. 
So we want to thank everybody. Bryn, any other last words you'd like to say? No, thank you. Stay safe, everybody. And um, thank you for always supporting Race for Owen and Angel Talk. You're making our dreams come true over here. So thank you for supporting. Like Philip said, please share. Help us spread the love. Um, and that's it. Have yeah. a blessed week. Yes, you t- you too. And uh, and good luck with everybody uh, and the new home teachers that we have going on. Good yeah. luck, everybody. Yeah, it's, <laughs> we need some help. All right. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Bye-bye.